joy to be with you today, this morning. We call it Easter, but the real word is resurrection. Resurrection day. The day Jesus rose from the dead and changed everything. And this morning I want to share with you for a few moments, truths, facts from scripture, facts about what God has said and what God wants you to know. So let's invite our speaker for this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you are here and that you understand our hearts. You know what we believe, what we don't believe. You love us anyway, and you have something on your heart to speak to us. God forbid that someone should leave here without actually hearing what you have to say. And may it be that for all that Jesus has done for us, someone might respond today, affirmative to the invitation that God sends to be right with him. Father, I ask that the Spirit of God take over and give us peace, give us quietness, control every factor so that those who really hear you get to hear you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A welcome to many of 37 of you are here for the first time. So, CL, why don't you give them a warm welcome? 37 of you, first time. You're an honored guest. You're an honored guest. We had a great first service, second service, second round. We meet here every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, and we have our church service here, and we are always open, always looking to have new people join our family. And if you want to find God, find a relationship with Him, get right with Him, come and be part of His family, grow in your faith, come be, uh, join in us uh, in our journey together with doing that. We'd love to have you with us. The theme and focus of today is the wondrous cross. The theme and focus today is the wondrous cross. And I want to talk about the cross then and the cross now. The cross then, Roman times, and the cross now, our times. The cross then was an ugly, ugly, horrible thing. By the way, you people are very intelligent, okay? You've done very well in your academics, you've done very well in your, in your jobs, in your professions, and your thinkers, and even your faith is in a thinking faith. So I ask you to think with me this morning. I ask you to, to, to process with me. Allow yourself to get into thinking with me so that we may arrive at the same conclusion if it be God's will. The cross then was the ugliest, filthiest, most shameful thing. It was Rome's way of brutally shaming the worst possible criminal. On the side of the streets, you would have these pillars. You'd have these wood poles. And they would take a man and tie him to that uh, a, a horizontal bar and then lift him up and hang him there so that he suffers from uh, asphyxiation and suffers from um, suffocation. And then he eventually dies. It was so, so that you could be shamed in front of everybody for the wrong you did, for defying the Roman Empire, for defying the laws, for breaking the laws. Are you with me so far? Yes, it was a shameful, horrible, filthy, terrible thing. The cross was horrific. It was the worst possible death somebody would, would, would ever have to die. It was what people chose to die in private or in any other way than to have to go to the cross because everybody would see you for every last moment of your dying uh, moments and people would be passing by, jeering, scoffing, absolutely making fun of you, cursing, swearing not even knowing what you've done, but judging you all the way. And all of the passersbyers, everybody going to the mall, coming back from the mall, you know, ring road, whatever, people would come by and they would do that. Horrible, horrible thing. Two terrible things that the Roman Empire 
was known for. One was the cross and the other one was slavery. Slavery. The cross, a horrible, horrible thing. Slavery, terrible, terrible thing. Okay. But it all starts with a fact. We want to go back to a fact. One thing that you and I must begin with. One thing we must go and, and, and grapple with. We must all, every single one of us. I don't care which religion, what faith, how good, how bad you are. One thing we must all come to terms with. And that is God is a holy God. God is a holy God. God is a holy, holy, thrice holy God. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. God is light. And in him, in the light, there is no... You can search all you want. Walk into a light and look for spots of darkness. You'll never find them. Walk into the light and you'll never find spots of darkness. You will always find light. And like there's no darkness in light, there is no sin in God. Sin can't stand being in God, near God, around God. You with me so far? Thinking with me. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God cannot tolerate sin. No darkness at all. God hates wickedness. He cannot fellowship with sinners. He cannot be in a relationship with sinners. He cannot be in the presence of sinners. God punishes sin and deals harshly with rebellion. Sin is consumed. Sin is consumed in the holy, holy presence of God. And God is a righteous judge. No sinner can stand for two seconds. No sinner can stand a chance against God's holy standard. I mean, think about the standard. God in his holy presence in heaven and Lucifer, which was Satan, what Satan used to be. Lucifer, the archangel, has one thought. He has one prideful thought. The guy didn't even get to say it. He didn't get to even say it. He was just standing there thinking it. And the shoot opened behind him and God chucked him down, chucked him out of his presence. Sin does not survive even for a second in God's holy presence. Satan, prideful thought, removed forever from God's presence. Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat this fruit, you will surely die. They took the fruit, they ate it, they disobeyed God. Out! Out! The Levite, Uzzah, do you remember him? He thought he was doing a good thing. The Ark of the Covenant carrying the laws and it was about to fall. And he said, let me hold it up. Let me just hold it up. Who wants to fall an ark? And he held it and he put his hand to it and he died. Come on, God. Come on. Come on. There's got to be some leeway, some margin. Give me some margin here. He touched the ark of the covenant and he was struck down. We all, every single breathing one of us, we all, everyone has gone our own way. We are all broken. We are all broken. All of us, unfit for the holy presence of God. We are all unfit for the holy presence of God. What is the one fact that every human being has to deal with, come face to face with, come to terms with? The fact, God is holy. God is holy. I'll tell you another fact. But all along, even before the foundations of the world, before time swung into space, God has always wanted to forgive you. He has always, always wanted to forgive you. I have one son. 
And when he was born, the moment he was born, I saw him. I was there at the birth. I was there when he was born. And I was also there when he was conceived. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in. And then I was there when he was born. And as he was brought back to the room, after they brushed his teeth and everything, I put my hand on him. I just put my hand on him, and my, the tip of my finger touched his chin, and, and my, my, almost all of him was there. And I just put my hand on him. He was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. No, he wasn't. But he had just come out from the oven. I put my hand on him, and I, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. This father of yours, I forgive you. I'd already decided. Before he was born, as a father, I had decided. If he's my boy, I have the capacity to forgive him. I've already decided that I will forgive him. Doesn't matter how far he goes, how bad he, how far he runs, I will forgive him. My brothers and sisters, God was your father long before you were his child. You were his idea. He's not your idea. You are a product of him. God is not a product of us. He doesn't worship you. You worship him. God has always wanted to forgive you. Always. God has always wanted to forgive you. And that is the message this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Say it with me, verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, what? That we should be targeted, nailed, and abused. That we should be targeted, nailed, and condemned. That we should be hit out, pointed finger, and thrown to hell. Amen? That we should be that we should be? That we should be? You were not born. Your first thought of rebellion against your mother was not yet there. Your first lie had not yet been committed. Nothing of you was good or bad. You were just a great idea at the time. And before you could even come into conception, before you could even be an idea, God already decided that he will make you holy. He will make you blameless. The work of God is to make you holy and blameless. Your work, religion, is to try to be holy and blameless. God's work, relationship, is to make you holy and blameless. Christianity is God, 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 God. God did, God saw, God said, God will, God has, God loves. Christianity is God all the way. God has always in his heart wanted to forgive you. Don't you listen to those fools. Don't you listen to those people who are condemning, who are constantly from pointing fingers. Don't you look at other people and be, be worried about the guilt and the, con and the condemnation. Religion is the pursuit of self-righteousness. Hear me. Religion is the pursuit of self-righteousness. But Christianity, listen, is a God-gifted God-righteousness. Your righteousness, God's righteousness. Your righteousness, God's righteousness. Could you ever have a righteousness? Good luck with that. God takes his righteousness and he gives it to you. I'll tell you how. And that is what Christianity is all about. Ephesians 2. But God, but God, but God, the best two words in the Bible, being what? Rich in mercy. Hallelujah. Because of the great love. Say rich in mercy. Say great love. That's our God. Being rich in mercy, great love with which he had loved us. For even before, even when we were dead in our trespasses, timeline, 
timeline, even before we're dead, and there's two things. Number one, he made us. He made us. See, it's all God's work. It's all God's work. Before you could say the first word, it's God's work. Made us alive together with Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus is the resurrection of you and me, of those who believe in Jesus. If you believe in his death was for you, then you believe that his resurrection is for you. If you believe that you were in his death and resurrection, then you are also in his rising and his glory. You are in his rising and you are in his glory. If you are part of the salvation plan, you are part of the glory plan. If you are part of heaven's brokenness, you're part of, if you're part of earth's brokenness, you're part of heaven's healing. But God, rich in mercy, God who loved us, made us and raised us. Say made us. Say raised us. Say made us. Say raised us. He raised us in Jesus. Were you there? No, you were not there. God thought of it. God thought of it. And God is the one who brings things into, into place. He's the one who speaks and manifests things into me, not you and me. You and I are creatures. We are the spoken product. But God speaks. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He raised us and he made us. In him we have redemption. Aha! Now we're coming to the slavery part. You remember the cross? Do you remember slavery? Now we're coming to the slavery part. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. See, I told you, he has always wanted to forgive you. It is the gift of God. Say it. Next verse. It is the gift of God. Next verse. 2 Corinthians 5. All of this is from God. You see that? All of this is from God. Wasn't your idea. Coming back to God wasn't your idea. Being forgiven wasn't your idea. Being cleansed and made whole wasn't your idea. It was his idea. He has more love for you than you have rebellion against him. He has more grace for you than you can possibly run from him. He is an all, all God. Now here's the problem. Sin made us dead, dead, numb to God. Sin made us numb to God. But the worst thing that sin did was made us slaves to sin. Sin made us slaves to sin. Now sin is my master. I try, I can't. I try again, but I can't. I break the laws, I can't. I decide every 1st January, but then I break again. I fall and I fall. I fumble and I stumble. I get up again and then I fall again. Oh God, how and when will I be free from this slavery that is sin within me? This thing working in my body to constantly make me feel guilty and, and and contaminated and hated. Sin made us dead to God. Sin made us slaves to God. Can I tell you something about slavery? talking about the cross, the cross then, the cross now. I'll talk about slavery. Slavery is an interesting thing. Slavery was another one of the evils of the Roman Empire. It was there before and it was there after, but they really perfected it. And in slavery, God made it possible, don't miss this, God made it possible that in the laws that you could be set free every 50th year. Every 50th year, the year of Jubilee, you as a slave could be set free. So no matter who you are, how long you've been a slave, 50th year, set free. I have come to announce the year of Jubilee, Jesus said. Got it? Okay. There's another way. There's another way. Because you were in poverty, because you were desperate, you went into slavery. It's like taking a loan from HDFC. Okay? You went into slavery. Okay? And your slavery basically meant you now were enslaved and you would serve your master. Well, not just you. Your children and your children 
and your children's children, and everyone after that would now be the property of this master. And the master, being a wicked master, would abuse you, etc., etc. Everybody with me so far? Yes, no, hallelujah. All right. But God did not want slavery either. God wanted you to be set free. But when the man can afford, cannot afford to save himself, to buy himself free, his child cannot afford to buy himself free. And generation after generation, someone has to come in the middle, buy him out, and set him free. Are you with me? Buy him out, and not just buy him out, but set him free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So somebody has to come. You know, another criteria of that somebody is that that person needs to be a blood relative. That person needs to be a blood relative. So we need a man, because I'm a man, to come in my place, to come like me, like a cousin or like a brother, like a father, and to pay and buy me out and then set me free. Now, who would want to do that? Who would want to do that? I mean, scarcely for a good man, someone would dare to die. But who would die for an unrighteous, rebellious idiot like me? Who would want to give his life for a person like me? And that's where everything changes. That is why Jesus had to become flesh. Jesus is God incarnate, carnate, in the flesh, incorporated in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Why did he have to come down? He's not just an avatar. He's not just another uh, representation of God. No, Jesus had to come down. Jesus had to come in the flesh. And Jesus had to shed his blood. Why? Because, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. In the day you eat that fruit, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Somebody has to come. So Jesus in the right time came and he was born of a woman. He bypassed Adam. So he did not carry the sin nature with him. And he being God and holy, and you know how holy God is? He being God and human now was able to be the kurban. He was able to be the sacrifice. His blood was pure. His blood was holy. His blood was perfect. And he was the perfect kinsman, relative redeemer. Kinsman, relative, redeemer. Kinsman, redeemer. And he came. And there I was standing on that block in the marketplace to be sold yet again from master to master, from one habit to another, from one sin to the next, from one life to another, from one abuser to another. I stood there naked because you had to see what you're buying. You had to see what you're buying. You'd check my teeth. You'd check my bones. You'd check my, my muscles. You'd make sure you were paying good money for a good slave. I stood in the marketplace, shamed, open, exposed. And you would come to me and you would put your price down. And you would buy me. And from master to master, from sin to sin, I would go as a slave to sin. And then comes Jesus. And then comes Jesus. And Jesus comes and he sheds his blood and he pays, pays the ultimate price to buy you back. But this time he's a kinsman redeemer. So I'm not a slave to Jesus. I'm a son. I'm not a slave to Jesus. I'm a son of the king. And he sets me free for freedom and brings me to the father. And as I come back to the father, I put a cloak on. They put a cloak on me. They put a signet ring. Sound familiar? 
They put a signet ring and they welcomed me back into my father's house. Slavery, the cross. Slavery, the cross. For he, for our sake, made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I stand there in all my unrighteousness and no righteousness of my own. Then God takes me and puts me in Jesus and I rise again with Jesus. And because Jesus died, my sin has been paid for. Because I rise again, his righteousness can be mine. And I walk into a heaven like I never did a single thing. You say, Pastor Jeremy, that's not fair. <laughs> you bet it's not fair. But when I decide to love my son, who are you to tell me how much to forgive? When I decide to forgive my son, who are you to tell me how much to forgive? Grace is unmerited favor. And the father today is telling you, I want, I have always wanted to forgive you. The cross then, ugly, filthy, dirty, shameful exposition of today, the most beautiful, glorious, wondrous thing, where heaven met earth, where spirit met flesh, where God met man since paradise lost, where grace kissed mercy. Because he purchased our salvation, paid our debt and redeemed us with his blood. Because he purchased our salvation, paid our debt and redeemed us with his blood. Because he purchased our salvation, paid our debt and redeemed us with his blood. He is now double owner, double proprietor of all of creation. Doesn't matter what Oprah says, doesn't matter what the news says, what doesn't matter what the left says, doesn't matter what the right says, doesn't matter what social media says. Nobody will stand to define who God is, how holy he is, how much he can forgive and what he means, you mean to him. Nobody tells you that, only God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should never, ever, 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 never, ever, never perish but have everlasting life. All through time before the foundation of the earth, the heart of God was beating to forgive you. Beating to forgive you. He is now double proprietor because he bought you twice. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus who will be judge of the living and the dead. He will be judge now of the living and the dead because he has been given the keys to the gates of hell and heaven. And he gets to decide because he's the one who paid the price. You don't even get to get a definition. You don't even get to have an opinion about who Jesus is. You don't even get to define who Jesus is. Nobody can tell who Jesus is. Jesus is who he is. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because he has purchased our salvation, paid our debt and redeemed us with his blood. Christ has become judge of the living and the dead. You don't decide that he is Lord. He decides if he'll accept you back. And he's accepting you back. He now decides your destiny. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the door of grace open. Today is the door open. Tomorrow no guarantee. Today the door of grace is open and you have to repent and you have to believe. You have to repent and you have to believe. What should you repent of? Repent of self-righteousness. That you think you can do it on your own. That your sin is not that bad. That your sin hasn't hurt anybody. Repent of the self-righteousness. And then believe. What do you believe? Believe that what Jesus has done on the cross was the price paid for you. That he has set you free from sin and you hand over to a new master. Hand over to a new master. Turning from self-worship to self-righteousness. Self-worship to self-righteousness. There are only two types of people in the world. 
as far as God is concerned. Those who worship themselves and those who worship Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else. So you apply that by faith to yourself. What Jesus has done, he's done for me. And his blood paid the redemption price. It is for freedom that he has set me free. How valuable am I? The blood of Jesus Christ. How valuable am I? The life of Jesus how loved am I? The life of Jesus Christ. What was God willing to give up in order to own me back, to have me back? His himself, his himself. So he took on flesh and he hung on the cross and he took the shame, no shame left for you. He took the blame, no blame left for you. He took the pointed fingers, no pointed fingers left for you. He took the charge sheet, nothing left for you. You are free, you are free, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are free. You're going to heaven. You are forgiven. You are free. And no man can ever pull up a sin about you. You are going straight to heaven. The moment you die, your real life will begin. Jesus came and he paid his price. And while everybody thought that was his first worst moment, as far as God and the angels were concerned, that was his best moment. In that moment, he was signing the check, freed for life. You too? You too? You, be- you don't believe? You too? You believe? Today you'll be with me in paradise. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss. And I pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast except in the death of Christ my Lord. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them. To his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? Even if the whole realm of nature was mine, that would have been an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Christians aren't those who are born in a Christian family to hell with you. Christians aren't those who had a Christian grandmother or went to church on Easter. Christians are those who bow their knee to Jesus Christ, call him Lord and master of all and abandon all other affections for him and for him alone. The cross before me, the world behind me, though none would follow, still I have decided to follow Jesus. Is there anybody in the house who wants to do that? Don't answer me. Don't answer me. No emotion, no manipulation, no music, nothing. You are a thinker. You, are a, you have the right to decide your destiny. You make up your mind about who Jesus is. And what you decide will decide your destiny. Because you don't decide your destiny. Jesus will decide that for you. He has been given the keys to life and death. Today, I invite you to consider bowing your knee the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ.